0: And welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Good and Pastor Brett Bowe and Pastor Adam Osier continue their discussion on Article 22 of the Augsburg Confession. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota. Register today for the Summer Institute of Theology, which happens August 1st through the 5th. Classes include training in adult catechesis, Congregational Leadership, and Christian Ethics. Find out more at flbc.edu
1: forward slash s-i-t. Welcome to the Being Lutheran podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Adam Osher. All right, we got all of our giggles out before <laughs> we started recording. Trust me, you don't want to know. Yes, that's right. Exactly. It was it was pretty funny, though. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're on our part two of our discussion of Article 22 of the Augsburg Confession. So if you didn't listen, go back and listen to last week's episode and uh, catch up on somewhere where we are. Both kinds of the sacrament, yeah, which kinds, means yep. a, a quick... Catch up, both kinds in the sacrament means that
2: the Lutherans serve both bread and wine, yep. and that the Roman Catholics, uh, at least at the time of Luther, only served bread to right. the laity.
0: Right. I You've, had a thought. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I had a thought after we were done last time. Uh, do they still? I know that, that Catholics do have wine because they drink, they they shared the cup, the chalice, right? So they it was our common cup, was their practice with my aunt's church, at least. Does this still happen today? I don't know.
1: Hmm. In any in any churches. I'm,
0: I'm curious as Catholic to... Catholic
1: listeners.
2: <laughs> the last time... No. let us know. Honestly, the last time I was at any sort of a Roman Catholic worship service was the funeral service for my great-grandmother, and that was about eight years ago, and they don't do communion at, uh, oh, at a funeral. funeral. yeah. So yep. um, the last time I was at a, any sort of service, Catholic service, that had communion uh, was a wedding, and I didn't go up, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've been to a number
0: of of services in the catholic church weddings for instance you know quite a few of them and i cannot for the life of me remember if they ser- i remember it not going up i remember it being passed down the row in kind of uh it looked almost like a it, like a a basket on a pole and they would they would like serve it down the aisle like offering yeah kind of but it was on a pole and they they reached down to the end of the pole like uh like one of those extended, like, painter's poles kind of thing, only, like, far more churchy. Like a like Inspector a Gadget arm? Selfie yes. stick? And I, for all of our Catholic <laughs> listeners, if there are Catholic <laughs> listeners yeah. right now, I'm not making fun of the practice. Sure. I'm simply describing actually what I saw.
2: We, we describe what we see but do not understand. Yes. I, I would love—I I should reach out to him. I interact with him on Twitter quite a bit. Uh, after the apology— Uh, getting Dan Van Voorhees on for a Being Lutheran bonus series to find out uh, how many of the historical issues Mm. the uh, Augsburg Confession brought up have changed in the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah, that's a a great idea. Have an actual church historian <laughs> um, instead of uh, yeah. speculating Lutheran pastors. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't... Which, by the
1: way, you know, listen to his excellent uh, podcast. Yeah. Church, uh, History church
2: History Almanac, yeah. one of my favorite podcasts. Yeah, you think t- we're t- short form. Uh, yeah,
1: their episodes are seven minutes long. <laughs>
2: yep. on uh, daily. Uh I highly recommend it. It's it's yep. one of my highlights of the day listening through my daily podcasts.
1: Hey, before we get too much further here, I, I want to at least say one thing, uh just so I can have it on record. I, I wanted to say the word intinction uh out, oh, yeah. out loud nice uh, and, uh, in this episode in this context and yeah. You wanna the, tell us what intinction is? Yeah, isn't is it Is it
2: different from cellophane? <laughs>
0: You're so proud of that. I, I wanted to work that in too, so yeah. that we're working words in.
2: But
1: what's intinction, Brett? I don't remember if it was Pastor Lee in our, our church history class, but it's it's a practice of taking the bread and dipping it in the and wine. And then serving and it then to then serving the communicant. It, yeah, yep. right.
2: Yeah, that's intinction. mm mm-hmm. uh, and, and that came up in class because uh, one of his former students was asked their theological position on intinction as they were candidating at a church. Right. And which it, it, we don't want it to sound too much like inside baseball, but yeah. for for the lady that don't understand, uh, when you are, at least in the AFLC, I, I don't have a complete picture of the call process in the LCMS. I know it's sometimes similar, sometimes different, but at least in the AFLC, it's just basically like this random Interview you have with uh, a church's call committee and sometimes the leader, it, it, the process changes. But it is the most, it can be at least the most random surreal experience for a pastor because there's no way to prepare for it. And, and one of the things, uh, the seminarians who come through my congregation that, and you know, they're there for three years during classes before we send them off to their internship or their vicarage as it's called in the Missouri Synod. Uh, I try to prepare them for stuff like that. Uh, from a pastor's perspective, uh, one of the things you can kind of decipher is what controversies or issues is the congregation currently wading through based on the questions you get in the interview process. Yep. And, and so you can get asked some of the weirdest questions by call committees uh, and, and, you know, just responding to them without any preparation whatsoever. <laughs> Lots of fun. We had a
0: classmate when I was in seminary who decided he was going to start a, a controversy within the church, and he wanted to be a Trinitarian intinctionist, <laughs> meaning not just one dip into the wine, but oh, three. Like Father, and, Son, Holy and Spirit. And he thought that if he was going to get into the history books, it was going to be for I that.
2: I guarantee with 98% accuracy I know who that was without knowing who it was. Yes, I bet you do. <laughs> I bet you do. Uh, uh, I don't think uh, the communion wafers we serve would stand up to three dunks in liquid. <laughs> oh. Oh man! Oh, mine. I don't know the
0: cellophane protects mine pretty well. <laughs> you <laughs> oh just want to see how yeah. many times you're going to say cellophane. I do. It's my new vocation.
1: Yeah. It's like right? being it's on like Pee Wee's Playhouse. It's the <laughs> yeah. word of the day, and we all the furniture goes nuts. All right. Anyway, all right, well let's let's jump in. We're five back. minutes yeah. in. Sorry ja- for wasting your time, everybody. <laughs> okay. No, we're not talking about intinction here. We're talking about or cellophane. Or, yeah, or cellophane. Uh, we're. we're Wrestling with, you know, what were the Romans doing? A Roman church <laughs> yeah. at that time. Uh, Jason, uh, maybe take us there. Um, what were what were some of their reasons? You know, like it said in the in the um, article, not the, sure exactly where where and when it started, but yeah. So in the confutation, they list several reasons why it's
2: only necessary to serve the bread to the laity in the mass. It's how they would describe it. the mass. For all intents and purposes, is just a communion service. Uh, the first one that they said it's it is abuse. Uh, To administer both forms to the lady. So so right away, the Roman Catholics are establishing the battle lines or the boundaries of the argument, saying that not only are we serving only one kind, but to serve two kinds to the lady, both kinds to the lady is sinful. Uh, and, and that opens up all sorts of doors of questioning and, and, and comments with that. And, and spoiler alert, our Old Testament lesson, uh, which, you know, we'll get to next week, it's going to be an entire lesson on biblical interpretation rather than just be on communion. And, and, and this is one of the things is like, how do you get from Jesus saying, this is my blood, or this is my body, this is my blood, eat it and drink it as often as you do in remembrance of me to you only get bread. Hmm. You know, it, it, it's where do you go from there? Uh, the, where they went next is that the breaking of bread was only mentioned in Acts two forty two 42, in Acts 27, and in Luke 24. So w- what they're talking about, if you read through Acts 2, which is one of the most pivotal uh chapters in all of the Bible, you've got Pentecost, you've got Peter's amazing sermon. And then at the end the church was gathered together and and we constantly in the breaking of bread and in the prayers and the apostles' fellowship and uh, Apostles' I, teaching. Apostles' teaching yeah, break, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Breaking and the prayers. Yep. Yeah, and fellowship was the last one. Right. And and so the Roman Catholic Church is saying there and in Acts 20 and then in Luke 24. Which is Jesus after being on the road to Emmaus broke bread with the disciples and they recognized him. Now, it's pretty easily seen as shorthand what he's saying
0: there, right? And and is that where you're going with this? Yeah. So don't interrupt.
2: No, no, no. no, You're right. So there's there's two ways to interpret what's going on in Acts, especially Acts two. We want to focus on Acts two and Luke twenty four, right? The the first way is they weren't serving communion or that's not being discussed there. Uh, we know from passages in Corinthians, which that's going to be on our new Testament episode and in other passages uh, that there was a different in meals associated with the church. There was a difference, technically speaking between communion and what we might call the love feast or just a communal feast, a potluck. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you know? That's right. Uh, and so it, it could be that acts two is only talking about fellowship meals. Uh, or Luke 24. Uh, I think it's much cl- uh, more accurate to say Luke 24 might not specifically be a communion situation, but might be the meal. Uh, Acts 2, I think, is probably talking about communion, which is what you're saying. It's, uh, what? how did you describe kind of short, it? Shorthand. shorthand yeah, shorthand
0: yeah. description, right, of the... Um, of what, what is actually happening. So you say yeah. breaking of the bread, but then you go back to what's actually said when it's instituted, the prescription of it all, you yeah. know, and you see that it's both bread and wine.
2: And because I'm a grammar nerd, I want to get this out there that the grammatical term for that is called synecdoche.
1: Yeah, nice. Which, which
2: is fun. Wow. Uh, if you see it in print, it looks like synecdoche. Yeah but it's a synecdoche and that is referring to a part of something or taking a part of something and using it to refer to the whole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's probably what's going on in Acts two. In, in the same way, a, a good an analog for that or good analogy is uh, sometimes we say someone's baptized into the name of Christ sure. and sometimes they're baptized in the name, of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Same thing, yep. right? We, we don't always have to fully spell it out, fully spell it out. Right. And, uh, you know, like, uh, you get hurt on the arm. You you could also say you got hurt on the body kind of a thing. And that's pretty weak, but that's, what's going on The synecdoche. And and in synecdoche, what we're looking at is not the theology, which is what the Romans are making about. It's just the grammar. And, And again, you know, you talked about at the opening of last episode, Brett, that what we're, what we're really getting to is there's not really a lot of debate to be made about the theology. It's the principles that things are built on. And, and so another principle we can inject here, uh, maybe a little less so, but it's still there, is stepping back and appreciating the artfulness of Scripture. That it's not just a sterile, uh, systematic theology, ma- you know, manual. It's uh, artistic well-crafted literature by skilled writers as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, yeah, right. you know? And so we, we should expect images. We should mm-hmm. expect imagery. We should expect poetic license to an extent, right? Uh, we should expect that different writers would have different styles. You know, Isaiah is not Jonah, is not Paul kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And in
0: both yep. instances referenced here, Luke is the writer. Yeah, you know, and so you know that could be his way of referencing communion the Lord's supper. Yeah,
1: there's been something that that's been bouncing around in my head here. I wanted to ask if it's if this is even part of this discussion. Um, do you think that this this issue is maybe why? And I don't know if this is just an unspoken thing that happens, or more of just an actual thing where maybe there's a, a view that the, the wine or the blood of Christ is, is on a higher level than the bread and the, the body. Um, and I'll just tell you, here's a very small way that maybe we do this, is um, even in the serving of the Lord's Supper in congregations through the years, uh, typically the pastor would be given the, the tray with wine, Mm-hmm. And, and that a deacon or a lay leader would serve, you know, the wafer. That's how we do it in our church. Okay, actually. And, and I didn't know if that was if that is based on anything uh, to give more reverence or respect to uh, the pastor. I, and I don't know if uh, maybe I'm just speaking out of hand. That's okay too. But um, yeah, is there anything to that?
2: Well, I think there is. I don't know the historical reasons why, but I I, I think we naturally give more. I mean I don't know how to say it but more respect to the blood than to the body. I again yeah, I, I don't if that's nec-
1: tied into this yeah. issue. Yeah.
2: I actually had the opposite
0: experience oh, when I was in Pittsburgh. Okay. They the the one who was leading the service and typically that was the the head pastor of the church and I was the assistant. Typically the head pastor
2: would ha- hand out the bread and hmm. not oh, the wine. Okay. So it's kind of an opposite yeah. experience there. And when I was on my internship and we had the two pastors and I was the assistant as the, as the intern, uh, I actually requested that the pastor do the wine uh, because in California, which was a higher church setting than normal AFLC, uh, we had a chalice. And we poured the chalice into the individual cups for each person as we went around. And I shake so much. my hand, it's, <laughs> it's like a condition. And I did it once. And I was just the, the, uh, holding the chalice. And, you know, you get to a point where the more you try to hold something still, the more you shake, like the more you think about it. And so I told them, anytime we do communion, you need to do the chalice because huh. I don't want to spill uh, he, he, all over the the front of the sanctuary, isn't, the altar area.
0: Isn't that what happened with Luther the first time yeah, he was uh, serving that, yep, communion? Yeah, it, that he
2: yeah, was so yeah. nervous that his hands were shaking, and he he spilled. spilled and that's it. when he yeah yeah. So all of those to say, there's probably something to that. I don't know that we could put a, a pin sure. historically on when that started or why, but you know, it's a natural human tendency. And again, it goes back to the what are you confessing. Yeah. And, and, you know, is that actually something we should be concerned about or is that superstition? You know, where Adam, you talked about last week turning uh, the bread and the wine into a talisman. Talisman, yeah. You know, yeah. the body and blood. So, so that's interesting. So that was, uh, they took the Synecdoche in, in Acts 2 and Luke 24. Uh, then they go, and Jesus only mentioned bread in John 6. Mm. And that is, I am the bread of life or oh, I am right. the bread from heaven, that great passage and whoever eats my flesh, that's the passage. And, uh, the, the response to that one, uh, is, Even easier, because at that point in time, communion had not been instituted. Now, there's Lutheran disagreement in John 6 about whether Jesus was prefiguring communion or if it's just because it happens to be the same image, you know, again, on the layers of what a sacrament is... We, we have, it's actually distributing the forgiveness of sins as a means of grace. It's actually the word of God. Uh, Jesus' body and blood are actually present in, with, and under the bread and wine of communion. But there's that symbolic venue of communion where you have the whole concept of manna from heaven. Uh, and you have the blood of the sacrificed lamb, this is the, you know, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, and you have the blood on the doorposts and all of that, is, is Jesus using a similar language or is he specifically in John 6 prefiguring communion? Yeah. I w-
0: just to say in John chapter six, I've seen that referenced as well in this particular argument, but you go to chapter six, verse 52, it says the Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood. Mm-hmm you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So, I mean, even there, even though it does prefigure communion, even though it's prior to the institution, it is still talking about body and blood
2: together. Which which is amazing. So that's, you know, four verses after the verses cited against that in the Roman constitution. It's like an
1: an opportunity to miss the context uh, for for those guys. Well, it's... uh, I'll do it here,
2: uh, because I haven't had an opportunity yet to whip the uh, the generic American church. Uh, but but perhaps my one of my least favorite generic American things is the
1: purpose-driven life.
2: Uh, by Rick Warren. Which your one? favorite or my least
1: favorite? Uh, I, I think you said your favorite. I hate, hate. Oh, I know hate. what I'm getting him for Christmas this uh, year. Yeah,
2: I, well, guess what? You ever been to a thrift store? Yeah. <laughs> or a used <youth> bookstore? <laughs> right you, next to Left Behind. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. There's like always 40 copies of The Purpose Driven Life there. I, I think they probably just started throwing them away. But anyway, uh, I hate that book so much. Um, the first reason I hate it at the very beginning of the book, what's the first line of that book, Brett? It's not about you. It's not about you. The rest of the book is... It's about you. Me, 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 all the way through. Uh, there's an entire chapter in that book where Rick Warren explains Jesus used scripture out of context. So I can too. Hmm that's his argument. <laughs> and, and, and it's the whole detail that this is basically, again, remember, every celebrity pastor is patterned after the Pope. All, all bad
1: American theology and a bunch of different Bible translations. That...
2: Yeah, yeah. All bad American theology goes back to the bad theology that was rejected during, by the Reformation You know, during the 1500s. This is what's going on. Ripping verses out of context is one thing. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? Ripping verses out of context and ignoring that four verses later it disagrees with your argument that is a special kind of brazen right there <laughs>
0: i always struggled with with uh, philippians 4:13 i can do all things through christ who gives me strength because I would always use it before like basketball games and football oh. games. And we went like, oh, for 20. <laughs>
1: Christ was not giving <laughs> you and I strength. I felt
0: like
2: he wasn't giving me strength. And then I read the text and it's like, oh, he gives you strength to lose too. Yeah,
0: that's the whole oh, path. Oh,
2: yeah, I guess that it, makes sense. My, my current, the high on my wish list of things I want people to buy for me because I'm just not going to frivolously spend on it is a coffee mug. It says, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. Oh, uh,
1: yes. <laughs> I desperately want that coffee. We're mug. just adding to your yeah. Amazon wish list. Yeah, or, I should have yeah. a, a
2: facetious yeah. podcast wish list on Amazon that I can share every once in a while on social media. You should make that coffee mug. Is it is it one you've it's seen? It's already made, yeah. Oh, never oh, so mind. So it's going to say, that's an Etsy shop for you. <laughs> I will also say to what you just said, there is an entire line of workout clothes. That is actually, (laughs) has Philippians 4.13 plastered all over it. I can do all things through Christ who makes me rip. No, through Christ who gives
0: me strength. I spend very little time in workout clothes. So I would be unfamiliar <laughs> with that. But thank you for that piece of advice. All right. And there I you think go. that was like a dig, Jason, as you're looking at me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that was guys. check pot, out the workout right, clothes. All right, all right. Pot hey. and kettle, pot and kettle. <laughs> hey, okay.
1: okay, peacemaker. Yes, yeah. We, yeah. <laughs>
0: where are we going, Brett? I think no, in all We've seriousness though, in all seriousness, uh, I think we could take this yeah. and we could use this article and its explanation, the confutation, and even the Council of Trent stuff, using all of those verses that are taken out of context, it's a whole case study in that. Mm-hmm. It's a case study in, in needing to be careful. And I think we as Lutherans need to do the, be careful with the same things. We need to understand, because nobody does that with the rest, with any other literature. We don't just rip in, you know, just one little, after yeah. all in the Iliad it says. Yeah, yeah. or, or in like the, I'm thinking instruction manuals, right? Oh. You get, you're putting together a cabinet, nobody just goes to <laughs> so like, ah, see, it says we need screws somewhere and just start putting, you know, putting them wherever you want. No, we, we take things in order. We take things in the broader context of what we're trying to do. And we do that with every other piece of work. And I think we need to do that also with scripture. That's why uh, a holistic understanding, knowing the whole counsel of God and and proclaiming the whole counsel of God rightly
2: is is the task Paul calls us to yep. through the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, you start to notice and proclaim the consistency of imagery and the consistency of themes in scripture across times and through several authors. That's the amazing thing about the Bible. And it's
0: almost like it's almost like if you read scripture and you go through the you know from start to finish, it's almost as if it had a single author.
2: And a single author that had a single message to communicate. It would, it would, it would <laughs> yeah, appear that right. way, would it not? Yeah, it would. Uh, there's one more big one I want to get to. So I'm going to list a couple of them and, and then get to the big one. Uh, there's actually two big ones. Uh, so then after that, uh, the confutation says Ambr- Ambrose and Ignatius only mention bread when referring to communion. Again, that's a Synecdoche thing. Uh, we're going to get to this next week. Uh, one of the arguments is Bread only was predicted by first Samuel two thirty six. <laughs> so if you really want to know what that's talking about next week, episode is Tune going to be all about first Samuel two. Yes. Uh, then this is one of the last two big ones. Uh, and I love this because it is just awful. <laughs> uh, the church switching to one kind in communion must be an impulse of the Holy spirit. Wow. What does that sound like today? Spirit was really moving here, man. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's, it's exactly what it Is is. We, we, we've done this. God told me. Yeah, well, mm. we've, do, it's, it's, we've done this and we've done this with success, so it must have God's endorsement. Huh. It's, it's pragmatism in the church, which is, that's how the generic American church does things. It's, it's pragmatic above everything else. If we do it and there's success, or if we do it and there's not catastrophic failure uh, right away... It must be a God thing. Divine appointment, right? That's the theology of divine appointment right there. Uh, that brings me back to my Mark Driscoll line
0: again, because that's no. exactly what that, oh. what that was. The whole That whole argument is based on, you know, we're, we're growing, therefore it must be okay. Yeah. And that's a recipe for dysfunction, not for spirit-led worship. And it has nothing to do with the
2: actual working of the spirit. Right. Yeah. And in the final one, uh, they cite Matthew twenty six twenty seven, which is the words of institution. All was only the apostles, which means it was only for priests. Oh, man. Wow. And uh, that will be in two episodes. Uh, as we talk about the situation in Corinth with 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11. So Looking we will be responding to, to some of these big ones, but that, that's a rundown of uh, what the Roman Confutation said uh, in defense of serving only one kind in communion. And you guys know where we stand on this, but we'll do some Bible studies in just a bit.
0: Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and Pastor Adam continue their discussion on Article 22 of the Augsburg Confession, looking at an Old Testament passage and its
2: application. God bless you and have a great week.